You are listening to Future Net Zero, a platform to help businesses and the wider community improve our lives and our planet by achieving net zero. In this episode, our founder Sumit Bose speaks to Professor Piers Forster, director of the Priestley International Centre for Climate, professor at University of Leeds, and one of the authors and members of the Committee on Climate Change. Professor, thank you very much for joining us. Um, can I ask firstly, what is net zero to you? Because there are so many different definitions of what net zero is. Um, I'd like to know what it means to you. Yes, well, what it means to me is that I am a climate scientist. So what it means from my own perspective is that we want to really try and prevent the Earth's temperature in going up and up and up and we have to prevent all the impacts we are observing around the world from climate change getting any worse so so for example we have flooding occurring in different countries and perhaps the worst example quite recently has been the Australian bushfires we are observing so what the science does really tell us and what my own expertise has really come from is that all these impacts of climate change are going to continue to get worse and worse until we get our emissions around the world down to zero. We have to get all the carbon dioxide emissions to zero as fast as possible. And and Till they do get that zero target, they're going to get worse, these impacts. Um, and the other part of that is that we say a net zero target. And, and that does mean that it's, it's going to be quite difficult to completely decarbonize part of the economy. We're particularly looking at aviation, of course, and the other one is culture. They, they are really quite difficult to do those things we want to do as a society without some residual emissions of carbon dioxide. Do, do you see, sorry to interrupt, but do you see net zero meaning uh, the emissions we produce are cancelled out by our extraction of CO2? Or do you see it as uh, the equivalence of every gas, so all greenhouse gases, uh, as well as CO2? Well, yes, in fact, I was just going to go into that. Um, and that is a very good question to ask. First thing, talk about the temperature of the entire Earth. So this talks about try and prevent an increase in the entire Earth's surface temperature. We have to just get the long-lived greenhouse gases to this net zero target. So these are gases like carbon dioxide and nitrous oxide, which gets emitted from agriculture, but but we don't have to get the short-lived greenhouse gases, particularly methane. We don't have to get those completely to this net zero target to try and prevent further increase in surface temperature. But that is 
a bit different than what we suggested for the UK, whereas just for the UK, what we recommended was this net zero target for everything. Uh, and that includes these short-lived greenhouse gases as well in that kind of t- t- target. Uh, and that was done quite deliberately, in fact, within the target to try and uh, put the UK out in front of other countries as a bit of a leader. Uh, and what we want to do with that, in that, if we do set this net zero greenhouse gas target for everything, we're actually in a position where we're beginning to reduce our contribution to temperature change with time. So, so, so we don't only prevent further increases in temperature, we're actively acting to begin to reverse some of our historic contribution to the increase in surface temperature. Uh, and we thought it was quite an important leadership position for the UK to adopt. We wanted to adopt it because of the really big historic contribution we have done with the emissions of carbon dioxide. We were the first country to industrialize, and we were the first country to really begin to emit this huge amount of carbon dioxide from coal burning. So we've got some le- we've got some legacy issues, haven't we? We've got some, some Yes, that's exactly right. We also thought that we're of course one of the biggest economies in the world. We're a relatively wealthy economy. So we thought we did have a position to put ourselves really. We wanted one of the best and the kind of toughest international targets out there, in fact, that we wanted to try and set a really good example for other countries to take on board. So we wanted actually to be in a position where we begin to reverse that. Now, what is the definition of this? Because some would say, uh, I could pollute and I just plant some trees and I'm offsetting. Others would say I have to reduce the actual core emissions. Where, how do you see getting to net zero? What, what is, is it a mix of both? Yes, it is, but it, but it, but it does absolutely come predominantly really from reducing our own emissions as much as we possibly can do in every part of the economy. So we first have to do that as much as we can possibly do that. And this opportunity offset, in fact, it isn't very big at all. Uh, And in fact, if you look at the Committee on Climate Change report, clearly we talk about the maximum opportunity for the offset is around about 10% of the emissions we have currently. So, so sorry to interrupt. So you're saying 90% has to come from active reductions? Yes, that's exactly correct. And I think that does really come from, we actually think there isn't much capacity to do this offsetting. The first thing is, uh, quite a lot of these greenhouse gas 
renewable technology like bioenergy and carbon capture and storage and these things, this technology doesn't really exist currently, or we only have one or two quite small scale examples of the, te of the technologies. So, 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 so we don't have much capacity to put the technology in. Uh, and the other thing we wanted to do, we we think there's not much opportunity to do this offsetting internationally. And that is because every single country will have to be trying to get to this net zero target. So in fact, each country will want to preserve most of the offsetting potential for their own reductions. So that really doesn't give us a lot of opportunities to do our own. Right, I, I, I get that. So let's talk about what we've got with this platform. We believe that uh, business has recently been very vilified. You know, every business has seen this polluting, every business has seen as the problem. But for me, and I think what we're trying to say is that actually for us to get to this, it takes the big businesses and their supply chains to change the products we buy and use. Because as a single consumer, there's a little I can do, but I'm going to be realistic. I'm not going to stop using my phone and I'm not going to stop driving and I'm not going to stop flying on holiday when I can. So is, is this, do you think there's been an issue where we've had a lot of protests lately where it just seems to be um, everyone is to blame and, you know, we need a denial society. What's your, what's your view on that? Yeah, I think you bring up a very good point there. Um, so I do think, I do think it, what we say with the change that we have to have from this point on, on pushing back. We've had a lot of the reduction that have occurred currently without people being aware about the way our energy supply has been reduced or by the emissions from our energy have gone down over the time. And people haven't been people haven't been very aware of that. But this very net part reduction will have to very much have the public on and we have to have a lot of changes in behaviour and a lot of ways in the change that people consume. And what I would say is that to really make the majority of consumer to change, you really have to make the low carbon option the easy option. There will always be some percentage that will want to change their consumer behaviour because it's the correct thing to do for the environment. But in, in, in fact, it's quite difficult. And people have shown, and the work can be done to say, it's really quite difficult for people to change their behavior. In fact, it has to really make it super easy. And I think that is really where the kind of business opportunities can come in. And what I want to see occurring is that you have to make the low carbon option the easy option, you have to make it the goodest one. So for, for another good example, if you can really show that driving a Tesla is a really cool thing and people, people want one, the, then that will very quickly change people's behaviour. Do you, do you think businesses um, are now looking at this as 
part of what makes a business tick. So you've got your sales, your profit and loss, and actually you've got your net zero target. Because if you don't do this, you're going to be in a, out of business in a few years anyway, aren't you? Yes, that's what, that's what I do think. In fact. Uh, uh, and I think that is really why the business community are really becoming interested, because I think they see they're very survival in a certain extent as trying to they do have to get on board with this net zero target and the net zero pathway to, I think, for their very survival. Uh, and I think a good example would be something like airline, because we just had one example of a kind of airline being tried to be bailed out by the government. Uh, and perhaps we ought to accept there are businesses that really aren't going to survive this transition. But, but of course, the other side of that, of course, is that we hope they can kickstart brand new innovative businesses that can really take on this net set of ideas, really deliver them in a big way that satisfies consumers. 2050. Was that realistic? Because some people are saying 2030, some say 2040, 2050 still seems steep. What, what's your view? Yes, we did. It is a very hard target. So, so, but in fact, we did talk about the 2050 target an awful lot. In fact, when we were setting it as a committee, uh, and we decided. It is a very tough target, but it's also a credible one. And it's not going to be too expensive. It's only about one or two percent of the GDP, perhaps, to try and to try and deliver on that particular target. So we we thought it was it was a really doable target that wouldn't cost too much for the country to deliver. And we did we did talk about trying to bring it earlier, but, but, but I think a good job is to try and set the government to target it can potentially deliver to that. So I think if we set a target earlier, there's a chance that we might not be able to do it or it could be too expensive. But, but perhaps we have underestimated the capability. But I think if you do look at a 2050 target or a 2040 target or even a 2031, the isn't too much different in the early actions we have to take to get to that particular target. So what I would try and communicate from this is that I think we don't get too paranoid and fixated on the particular target time. We just really look at the next 10 years or the next one year, and we have to begin to put the actions in, in all parts of the economy to try and get on the net zero pathway. So it's, it's a sum of incremental gains, really. Absolutely. And we have to start to begin to deliver on the things. And perhaps some things will go a bit quicker and a little bit easier than what we thought they would do. And a good example of that is the price of electric cars which seem to be coming down in the price of them a little bit quicker than we thought they would do. But the other thing that 
didn't seem to work. And a good example of it, that is insulation of buildings, which we really don't still have a good way of delivering that. Um, finally, what do you think of uh, our idea for this platform? Um, do you think, do you welcome it? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think you're doing the right thing. Uh, I, I think it is really good that people like us on the Committee for Climate Change can come up with these net zero targets for the country, but we do now have to deliver the action to get to that. And, uh, and that isn't going to work just by top-down government regulation. That does have to work by businesses and by communities and by the general public. And, and we all have to really make some practical and pragmatic decisions and be able to communicate them well and communicate them effectively. Uh, and, and I think that is really where your platform could come in. And the other thing I really like about it is that we have to work far more cooperatively cooperatively and we have to share practice. We're on a journey and we have to be able to share best practice and best ideas between different businesses. So that is really where I do see this opportunity can come in. So you're doing a fantastic job. Professor, thank you very much for your time. It's been very good to talk to you and I wish you the very best with decarbonising the economy. Thanks for listening to this future Net Zero podcast. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to the website at www.futurenetzero.com. Future Net Zero. Better business, better planet.